0: Hello, my name is Chris. I want to welcome everyone here at South Overland Park, those in the venue, those in Alatha. And to my church family in North Overland Park, I miss you guys. Uh, I'm the I have the privilege to be the North Overland Park campus pastor, and it's pretty cool what God is doing there. I'll see you Thursday at the Brothers McClurg concert. Anyone's welcome. It's gonna be pretty awesome. 7 p.m. on Thursday. You're not gonna want to miss it. Just give you a brief update of what's going on in North Overland Park. It's pretty exciting to be a part of church that is willing to send. And so we uh, sent an independent church plant back in September to Lee Summit. We started our third campus in North Overland Park and check this out the opening weekend we had over 500 people we have seen yeah we have seen the most important and coolest thing we've seen 12 people give their life to Jesus over the last month isn't that awesome pretty amazing so thanks for being part of a church that's willing to take risk and to go to new parts of the community it's awesome and they're just so thankful I'm excited about today I'm a little amped up for a couple reasons one the Chiefs play tonight anyone excited about that I know I am okay now And I get to go, and I'm excited because any time, like most Sundays, I'm working at noon. And so when they have evening games, I try to go, and so I get to go tonight. I'm excited about that. But more important than that, I believe God has something special for us today. I believe God wants to work in our lives, and so I'm going to be a little enthusiastic. So please don't think I'm yelling at you. I'm just excited, okay? So just bear with me. We want to welcome those online as well. So we're in our series called Roadblocks. We're in our third week, and we're going to look at how God cares for heart of Joseph and how Joseph trusts the Lord in the midst of chaos. See, Joseph had a dream that he was going to be used by God. Joseph had a dream that people were going to bow down to him. Joseph had a dream that he was going to be a man of influence. And I'm sure when he had that dream from the Lord that he's like, man, this life is going to be awesome. This is going to be exciting. But as we've seen over the last several weeks, it has not turned out that way. He's sold into slavery. He's can. Uh, someone accused him of raping someone, it was not favorable. It made me think of my life really over the last several years of a dream that God gave me. As I'm thinking about this message, I kind of go back to the year 2011. My wife and I were living in Colorado Springs at the time and loved it there. We were serving a church as a youth pastor in Colorado Springs, beautiful church called Mountain Springs Church. We loved our time there. Uh, and so in 2011, I'm sitting in a coffee shop, Starbucks, and this Starbucks is a place I went to often. And I remember sitting at the Starbucks and looking over the mountain range. I had a lot of lattes at this place, met a lot of people there, spent a lot of time with the Lord. And I remember God putting on my heart, KC, Kansas City. I didn't hear him audibly, but I just felt him put that on my heart. And I was just listening to that. I didn't know what that meant exactly, because I I haven't lived in Kansas City since 1989. I grew up in Oklahoma City. But I had family here. My wife and I actually got engaged in Kansas City at the Plaza. Our families were here one Christmas season. And I remember my wife saying, Lindsay, I mean, I would love to live in that city someday, but didn't really think another thing of it. So as I'm praying and saying, God, okay, Kansas City, what does that mean? I have family that lives there, I have friends that are there. Do I need to reach out to them? Uh, what do I need to do? And I just remember God saying, maybe you need to start some kind of church there. Maybe you need to move there someday. But I didn't know what it looked like because I loved Colorado, a beautiful place. God was blessed in our ministry there, had incredible friends, incredible fruit. Saw dozens and dozens of students come to know Jesus. I'm like, why would I leave this? But I just again uh continue to be faithful to what God had called me to do in the year 2013 came. At that point we had two kids, and Brian Gann, our executive pastor, called and said, Would you be willing to become uh, come and visit us and let's talk about you being the student pastor here at Grace Church? I was like, heck no, why would I want to leave Colorado to go back to Kansas? No offense. I mean, every weekend, you know, my weekend were Thursdays and Fridays because I worked Saturday through Wednesday with we church on Saturday and S- Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Thursday and Fridays were my days off. And so during ski season, I was in Vail one weekend. I was in Beaver Creek the next, Aspen the next, Pagosa Springs the next weekend. Why would I want to leave that? When I sat in my bathtub, now I didn't take baths very often, but I could open up the window and there would be the whole front range of just beauty. I could sit in the morning and watch the mountains as the sun setting on the other side and it's just glaring off those mountains of just beautiful purple. Or the sun would set over the mountains and I'd be like, this is a beautiful place. Why would I move from there? Well, six weeks later, I'd sold our house and we bought a house here. Gosh, thanks a lot, Lord. No. We love it here. But I remember this dream that God gave me for Kansas City. I was like, is this it? Is it coming true? Is this what you want for me? But I remember sitting with a student who was in our ministry, sitting on my front porch, looking at the mountains, and I told him that we were moving, and God was uh, leading us to Kansas City. And I remember him crying because he never had a father influence in his life, and I discipled him, cared for him, and he just was angry, and he was sad that I was leaving him. I said, God, is this really the dream that you've given me? Why would a dream that you've given me affect me and people like this? Now, we love it here in Kansas City. We loved our time. We loved moving here. We loved the church. We love what God is doing but at the same time, I was a little depressed. Actually, some days a lot. Because it felt like I turned the light switched off of relationships. And I just had to turn them back on with new people. It was hard. I grieved the loss of my friends. Of the church. Of people that I invested in. Not only that, we were here, fast forward another year or so, year and a half. My wife has a miscarriage. I'm like, seriously, God? And just a heartache. And then how many months? Cause our first two, we got pregnant pretty easy, pretty fast. And that took months and months and months and months. And then I was sitting in this very place or standing in this very place I'm right now. Fast forward another year and my cousin passed away in his young twenties. And I was here doing his funeral. And candidly, I was saying to God, God, seriously? This is what the dream was, that you brought me here so I could walk my family through this horrific situation? This room full of people that are grieving the loss of someone who had so much life? Is this really what you had for me? And we live out south here, and a lot of our family lives further north. I'm like, I'm not even going to spend much time with them. I don't see them. It's not really a church we're going to come to because it's miles and miles and miles away from their house. Like, is this really the dream I begin to question? I felt like my dream was in limbo. I'm sure Joseph felt the same way, even to a greater level. He was in limbo. I don't think him being in prison after being accused of coming on to Potiphar's wife and say, you know what, God, You're, this dream is really coming true. And maybe you're in here today and your life looks nothing like you hoped it would. Your life is a lot more difficult. Maybe God has put a dream in your heart. You don't even know what that looks like. God has put something, given you a passion. And you haven't even been able to start it yet. I believe that God has something for us when we feel like our life is in limbo. Let's pray. (coughs) Excuse me. God, we love you, and God, I pray that we'll just lean into what you have for us. I don't know everyone's story here, but I know this. You brought them here at this time and place in history. Those of us, those online that are worshiping with us, you had them tune in for a specific reason. God, I pray that we'll not leave here going through the motions. We'll not leave here just going on the next thing or being excited about what's for lunch. God, we'll get real with you. We'll be honest with you. We'll be vulnerable and say, Lord, shape us, teach us, mold us more into your image. Sanctify our hearts, God. We want to be like you. Oh, God, I pray that in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our limbo, in the midst of our pain, that we'll run to you. In your name we pray, amen. So said, we're in a series called Roadblocks. And we're in the third week of it. And the first week, I remember sitting in the North Overland Park uh, campus and just hearing the tears and the sniffles and the weight of the family of origin sermon that Tim talked about. I mean, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more dysfunctional I know my family is, okay? Can I get an amen? You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, we're messed up people. I know I am. And so we looked at the family of origin, and unfortunately, a lot of us, as Tim talked about, we view God as we can view our dad. And then last week, we looked at what happened when Joseph was in trouble in his teenage years when he was thrown into the pit. He had a dream that he was going to be in the palace, but he was thrown into that pit. His brothers put him in there and then sold him to slavery, and then he became a man of influence in Potiphar's house, and then he was accused of coming on to Potiphar's wife, and he was thrown into prison. He had troubles. So why, why study Joseph's life? Why are we looking at his life? Well, it's important to understand that Joseph's life foreshadowed Jesus. We'll see here on this, ray. Here we go. Joseph's life foreshadowed Jesus and helps us today. See, Joseph's life, we're looking at it historically. We're looking at the text in Genesis, what God was doing in his life. It also how it foreshadows Jesus. And we can learn both from Joseph's life and Jesus today no matter where you are, no matter where you're walking, no matter where you're working, no matter where you're living, we can learn from God's word. We can see Jesus on every page and we can find practical application into our lives. We see in Acts chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says that God was with him, talking about Joseph, and delivered him out of all his troubles. God was with Joseph and delivered him. And I believe that God wants to deliver us. We need to run in to him see what he has for us. So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. I'm going to pick up where Tim left off last week and said this. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. So here we go. Joseph, man of integrity, didn't do anything wrong, was put in prison. And there he was in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in sight of the keeper of the prison. Here's a cool thing. When you have integrity, when you do what's right when no one's looking, when you have holiness, which means to be set apart, to be like God, that God will give you his favor no matter where you are. No matter how dark the place is, no matter who's trying to keep you from living in victory, the Lord can meet you there. Let's read on. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, whatever they did there. It was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. So we see here that Joseph had influence, even in this dark time, because why? The Lord is with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. The first point is this, being faithful to God when it doesn't make sense. See, it didn't make sense at all. I mean, Joseph did everything right. And oftentimes we think, God, God, we're doing everything right. I'm learning. I'm reading your Bible. I'm reading your word. I'm going to church. I'm giving. I'm going on mission trips. I'm in, trying to invest in my kids. I'm trying to do everything right. But sometimes life just is not fun. I call it the valley of suck. It's okay to say that in church. Yeah, amen. See? Okay, okay, okay. It's not fun. See, he did everything right. I mean, think about it. It didn't make sense to be faithful. Like, he did everything right. He should say, God, you've you forgotten about me. I'm just going to do it my way. But no, he trusted the Lord. Jesus, how about this? It foreshadowed Jesus. See, Jesus, God sent the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, didn't do anything wrong at all, was the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. God said, you're going to die on a cross. He said, you know what? I don't want to, but I trust you, God. And he was faithful to God when it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to his closest friends. It didn't make sense to his family, but he was faithful to God when it didn't make sense. And I'm interested. What is God calling you to do and how is he asking you to be faithful? You might have cancer right now. And if so, I am so sorry. But God says, just trust me. Lean into me. I love you. Trust me when it doesn't make sense. Maybe your family of origin. Maybe there's bitterness in your family somewhere. or Maybe your kids are running from the Lord and you don't want to give them grace. You don't want to love them. But he says, be faithful when it doesn't make sense. Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe your spouse, whom you love, but you guys are fighting right now. Maybe there's been infidelity and God's saying, love them like I have loved you. Give them grace. Be faithful to God When it doesn't make sense. Also, I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about, here's Joseph in prison. And God is using him in his dark time. I was thinking, oftentimes I say, God, if I could just get over this hurdle, if I could just move past this, then I have a story. Then I can be faithful and tell everyone how you are good. Oh, I hear people say, man, if I could just get over this sickness... If I could just be cured of this cancer, then I have a story and I can have a testimony of how God is faithful. Someone was in here, man, if my kids would just come back to the Lord, then I have a testimony. If I could just get a promotion, then I can talk about God's faithfulness. But what we see here is Joseph was faithful even in his darkest time. And if we could just put our head up, look around, we can see that God is using us. No matter how much we've sinned, no matter what we've done, no matter what our circumstances, God can use you as part of his story and his kingdom if we're faithful to him when it doesn't make sense. And here's the crazy thing. There are times when we're not faithful that God will still use us. He cares for us. He loves us. And he wants to use you. And as opposed to us to saying, if we could just get over this obstacle, this roadblock that is in the middle of the road, and then I'll be faithful, I would encourage all of us to realize, this is hard to hear, that this life is not about you, it's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God and his mission. And he just calls us to be faithful. So let's go on, chapter 40 so we see joseph in prison and there's a couple guys get thrown in prison from pharaoh we got the chief butler or the cupbearer some would say then you have the chief baker and they get thrown in prison they're hanging out in the dungeon with joseph and they have dreams themselves and so they are talking about their dreams they're trying to interpret their dreams and joseph says wait time out Only God can interpret dreams. So he says, let me hear the dreams. And then he presses into the Lord, I'm sure. And we see Joseph give them their interpretation. So the chief butler was a good interpretation. He said, you know what? In a couple days, you're going to get out of here. You're going to be a person of influence. You're going to be trusted again. You're going to be okay. Now, could you imagine these two guys that came into prison as friends? And there's the baker. And he said, I'm sorry, baker. You're going to die. You're going to be executed. That wouldn't feel very good. Talk about bitterness. I don't know. But when he's talking to the chief butler, he says, now, remember me. So let's go to Genesis chapter 40. We'll see here, verse 14. And this makes me feel a little better just about my sinful fleshly self sometimes because, at, at, you know, when you look at the study, life of Joseph, you're like, man, this dude does everything right. He has faith. He has favor. He has integrity. He t- runs when no one's looking. But you see here for a moment that maybe Joseph freaks out a little bit because this is what he does. He says, but remember me, he's talking about the chief butler, when it is well with you and please show kindness to me, make mention of me to Pharaoh and to get me out of this house. So what he's doing here, he's running to man for a second. This is the first time we see Joseph begin to waver a little bit. It made me think, how often do we run to man for their opinions? How often do we run to man's affirmation? How often do we go to our friends for advice or our parents for advice? How often do we go to counselors? Now, counselors aren't bad. How often do we go to psychologists? Those aren't bad. We need them. How often do we go to psychiatrists? Those are needed. And God can use them. But if people are our first line of defense, we got it wrong. We need to run to the Lord. So let's read on here. Verse 15 says, For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. They say, I didn't do anything wrong, remember me. But here's the thing. If we look at verse 23, it says, Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. See, man will let us down. They just will. If I look to my spouse to meet my every need, and that's where I find my identity and my rest and my peace, I love my wife. She's incredible. She's a consistent person. But I'll be constantly let down, whether it's my coworkers, my boss, my friends, my siblings, my parents, whoever it may be. See, and then it came to pass, we'll go into chapter 41, at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. We're going to pick up next week, we're going to look at when Pharaoh goes to Joseph and God delivers Joseph out of this prison. But we're going to camp today in this dark place for a moment. Our second point is that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays aren't God's denials. This is a long time. We see two full years at least. By the time he got the dream from the chief butler to when the chief butler told Pharaoh and then Pharaoh went to Joseph. But we see he was at least there for two years. We don't like to be patient for two minutes I know I don't, and I'm an emotional person. When, I, when it's delayed, I don't like it. When I call and try to get a hold of my wife and she doesn't answer, I know she's on the side of the road dead somewhere. I'm like, man, I'm going to raise these three kids by myself. Oh, Lord, help me. You know what I mean? Like our emotions, when things don't happen in the timing that we want them to, we, we begin to freak out. Like our emotions lie to us. Now, God gave us our emotions, and they are good to feel at times, but if we trust our emotions and how we view God, it's not a good thing. And I'll give you a picture into my life for a second. Okay, we had family photo shoot this week. Oh, Lordy. I think I'd rather be in prison with Joseph for two years than do another family photo shoot anytime soon. Now, I'm going to read you something, my thoughts. So I just wrote down my thoughts right when I got in the car, what I thought in that hour, okay? Now, don't judge me, you promise? Okay. So these are my thoughts during this family photo shoot. Man, my kids are cute. (laughs) I can't stand my kids. My kids don't listen. Oh, can they stay small forever? Man, I can't wait till they're out of the house. Why did we even have kids? Can I throw my kids in this lake we're taking pictures by? Man, I'm a terrible parent. Man, my kids, man, they're the best. I'm a good parent. Man, my kids are acting demonic. It's okay to say that, okay? Man, my kids are beautiful. I'm never doing this again. I'm definitely not having any more kids. I even thought this. What did I just bribe my kids with? How much am I going to be out after this photo shoot? Why did I even try this? And I thought this. My kids need to be sent to a home somewhere. Okay, these were the thoughts I had in one hour. Now, these are emotions that we have, and the reality is this. If we trust our emotions and we believe our emotions and how we should think of God when the thing is not, or the issues or our troubles or our pain or suffering is not going in our timing, we need to think again because God is constantly working. What we need to say in the midst of our chaos and our pain and our trouble is, God, you are completely sufficient. As opposed to saying, Lord, get me out of this as fast as you can. And so often we look at life like we're looking through this paper towel roll. How God calls us to look is to look up and see what he is doing to lean into the pain, to lean into our struggle, to lean in to him when it doesn't make sense. But instead, oftentimes we live our life like we're just looking through this little hole. I see one person back there said we should be like this. But the reality, when the next thing happens, when your kid makes a dumb mistake, when there's marriage difficulties, when there's financial troubles, when you don't like your job, when God's calling you to do something crazy, when God is calling you, if you're living with someone you're not married to and God says, you know what? You need to wait till you're married to have sex. We freak out. We're like, oh, like this is all we see," as opposed to saying, "Be faithful." You know look at my life. September 30th 2018, I walked in a Grace church North Overland Park. I looked around and had this feeling of amazement, of worship and wonder of God's perfect timing. Because I was able to start our third location. This was within walking distance of my family and my friends that I felt God put on my heart in 2011. Seven and a half years. The reality is, in 2011, I wasn't ready. The reality in 2011, It wasn't his timing. In 2013, I wasn't. 2014, 2016, January of 2018, God wanted to sanctify. God wanted to work. God wanted to shape me more in his image. I need to understand more of the character of God through Scripture. I need to understand what it means to follow him no matter what. I needed to go through pain. I needed to go through struggles because God wanted to shape me to be who he wanted, when he wanted, at the right time. I had to learn what it means more and more daily to deny myself, take up my cross, and to follow him. See, God was still working in Joseph's life, and God wants to work in your life. So as opposed to saying, woe is me, I can't believe this, this is terrible, say, God, what are you doing? Your grace is sufficient, and I trust you fully. But the reality is, in our culture today, we feel that God should operate in our timing. I mean, we Google something, and we have it in a second. You go to Starbucks, your coffee's in and out in a minute. You go to Chick-fil-A and there's like a thousand people there and they get you out in five minutes. It's crazy. And you're at the grocery store sitting there. How, to be honest now, how often you get impatient when someone has a big order in front of you? Like you're mad at the, the mom who's just trying to feed her family. And you're like, hurry up. Like we are impatient. See, to God, he operates so much. in such a different time table than we do. Did you know, in Second Peter says that one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. While it means, might seem like eternity to you, it's not to God. God's delays are not God's denials. Our last point is this with God, we can be down, but not defeated. There might be times where you feel down, there might be times you feel defeated defeated there might be times where you feel depressed alone scared but we're not defeated let's read this first john 5 4 for whatever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith you know for whatever is born of god overcomes the greek word here is nike where we get the word nike which means conquer of all victorious overcomer That for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. No matter how dark, no matter how lonely, no matter what sin, if you believe in God, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, only did he die three days later, he conquered sin and death, he rose that he could live again, so we could live again. There is power, there is victory, there is life, there is hope, there is healing in him. So when we wonder, where is God? Remember that we are overcomers if we have a relationship with him. My grandfather was sick for 35 plus years. My, my dad, my aunt, uncles, when I was born, we always would pray that God would heal him. And God never did on earth. But when he passed away, he walked into the presence of God. Because he was born of God. He had a relationship with Jesus. See, it says in Romans, so the wages of sin is death. Eternal separations from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. My grandfather accepted the gift of salvation. He believed in his heart that Jesus died on the cross, and that he rose again, and he was saved, as the Bible says. And if we're born of God, we can live life with eternity and perspective. We are overcomers. We are victorious. We're conquerors of all over this world. Because when my grandfather went to heaven, we get a picture of it in Revelation 4 when he says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With God we might feel down. But we're never defeated. Let's live like we're winning. Because I believe wholeheartedly. If we're faithful to God when it doesn't make sense. We realize that his delays are not his denials. He's shaping us to who he wants us to be. And then we can walk in victory. Because as James says. Consider pure joy my brothers and sisters. When you encounter various trials. Joy. Joy, not sorrow, not I can't wait to get out of this, not let me get past this. He says, consider pure joy when you encounter various trials. For the testing of your faith produces endurance. For endurance must do its complete work so you may become mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray. God, I confess the times I freak out. I lean on my emotions as opposed to leaning on you. I pray for all of us here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the pain, the sorrow that's going on in people's lives. Lord, my heart hurts for those who are hurting. I weep with those who are weeping. I want to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. But God, no matter what our circumstance, we can be faithful to you. Lord, you say, your son, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. Come to me, you who are tired. Come to me, all who are struggling. Come to me, all who want to quit. Come to me, who are in trouble. Come to me, who just want to cave in. And I will give you rest.